This is the It's Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write in to the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod. Yeah, right. So we're back once again with uh, another episode. On this one, we've got a very special guest. We've got uh, Rob Kean. <laughs> How are you doing, mate? All right. Yeah, I'm good. You know. Um, basically, this is the first one that's out of Cumbria, so it's not in house. Um, so come down to Rob's, and I uh, just wanted to talk about um, past, present, and future of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off with what you've been up to lately. Um, I'm just busy gigging in Liverpool. Uh, my intention when I left the bouncy in behind was just to play locally again because uh, I hated travelling travelling made me miserable Yeah, being in a car made me miserable every weekend being in airports so we just uh, gig locally I do about well between 6 and 10 gigs a weekend in Liverpool I'm really busy uh, do two, two great venues regularly and then a load of events and stuff so yeah just chocking me it's just busy Um, I'd I'll keep tab on what you do on sort of online and stuff like that. I see you do um, a bit of music production and that, and uh, you, you're doing teaching at the school. Yeah, all, uh... yeah, we, I work for a company called Mode Training two days a week, uh, teaching like DJing and music production. <coughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we basically have a load of uh, students aged between 19 and whatever, 19 plus, uh, who've got aspirations or of being a DJ or music producer or some, maybe it's something they've wanted to do their entire life and now they've got a bit of free time they can come and commit to us a couple of days a week so we teach that teach them how to use Ableton teach them how to use a set of decks and hopefully send them on the way <laughs> with uh, the skills relevant to go out into the industry and, and make something themselves I wanted to ask you a couple of questions on that as well um, the the students that are turning up are the are the Liverpool based students or yeah it's know. it's all it's all Liverpool based yeah it's it's for the Liverpool city region that's what the that's what the government funds us for yeah all oh, right right uh, and what are the what are, what's the music that they're coming in um, interested in is it well it's it, it's, it's quite varied really mm. uh, at the minute we've got a we've got a couple of lads who 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 were in the donk scene um, we've obviously come because I'm there and I'm ex-pleasure rooms and stuff uh, and but then we've got other people who like our other tutor Les Calvert was um, a Garland's DJ DJ society and stuff so we've got people who come there for him and then we've got uh, another fella called Mike Chatt Chatterton who's uh, like the most amazing unsung producer uh, I've, I've ever met anyway that he's so talented so we've got people who've come there to learn off him as well so um, it's, there's all sorts of different styles and stuff getting made there from being from like bouncy house and to tech house and drum and bass and uh, we've got someone there making grime at the minute. Uh, what seems to be predominantly like um, popular with with the nineteen like the younger end coming. It's up. all tech house. Tech it's house. It's all house and tech house. Yeah, they all want to make Sunny Vadera or 
Joe Colley type tunes or, or the other end like Salado and that type of stuff right. <coughs> um, that's that, that's what's popular in Liverpool anyway at the minute um, what I was going to say that do, see with the, the tech house that's coming through at the minute do you think um, I know John Cotton does a bit of like um, tech house as well as the classics events Yeah. but um, do you think that it'll ever progress into a, a more speeded up like do you think that, well, that it's getting faster already getting faster if you listen to people like Hugh McVicker and Ben Helmsley and stuff that's coming out on Trick Records which is um, Patrick Toppin's label it's it's creeped up to 135 BPM I have noticed like and it's a bit tough, tougher than on the it drums is, yeah, as well. it's basically just like Scout House or Bounce for the modern generation if you listen mm. to it I mean a lot of the a lot of stuff on Trick Records is all it's missing is a donk <laughs> and yeah, it's no. there you know yeah. it sounds like and, and then there was, there's actually an EP out by um, Eats Everything about well, it end of last year, and it's one of the tracks on it is like sounds like DJ Disco Stampy Feet. Yeah, yeah, Do you know does, what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah, it's got the it's like it's like a pump and house track essentially. Yeah, it's it's is, like yeah. a kick, and it's just got the offbeat. It's not it's a dog. It's one hundred and thirty yeah. beats per minute. It's so and I, mean, I see I, the original Clubbeds tunes are all one hundred and thirty-two, so it's yeah. not far off. So what? Since you moved away from bounce, because it will be. It's, what is it now? It'll be like three or four years, maybe six years. It is, mate. Fucking hell, six years. Time yeah. flies. Oh, but obviously, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But what? What style do you find yourself playing most? I know you play like um, more like in town and stuff, so you have to play to the crowd. But uh, I, I'm I'm really into just house music personally, like good good quality house music, drums and tribally rhythms and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't always translate well to you playing in front of. So, I, I, at the minute, I play a lot of tech house stuff and uh, I wouldn't really call it commercial house what I play. <coughs> play. It's um, it's definitely the cooler side of that, but uh, lots of Sonny Federa and MK all that type of shit. Yeah. And then... Um, yeah, the more tech housey type stuff, really. It's the more exposed house side of house, isn't it? Really. Yeah, but I, I try and stay away from the Joel Corey type thing, really. If I'm honest, because it's a bit cheesier in it. Like. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's not to say I won't play a little bit of it, like because I, I play long a long duration. I sometimes I'm DJ between six and eight hours, so <coughs> you've got to cross them bridges sometimes and uh, and play that that music to the people in front of you because I don't like repeating songs, so I'll. Uh, I'll try and play a fresh eight hours every night, like I won't repeat anything. So sometimes you've got to go down them them routes. Anyone who know, sort of knows you though, like um, th this is just from from what I've heard of your stuff. You're always quite experimental with what you do while while staging. So yeah. You literally like you, you play. You just come up with with ideas whilst um, playing. So can you can you fit that like tribalish house stuff in? Yeah, and yeah. Maybe throw. Say like a known acapella over the top. Yeah, yeah, like. that's exactly what I do. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yeah, um, and see, I, I I mix on three decks. I mix on three decks nowadays. Yeah. Um. So that just helps me be more creative. <coughs> Sorry, I've got a chest infection. Um. <laughs> it's um. Yeah. It's uh, It just. It just helps me. Uh, I've always got a, 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 an acapella loaded up on the on the third deck. Yeah. The third deck's always loaded with acapellas or scratch samples. So. Um. Yeah, it just helps me be more creative in that in that respect, so I can get away with playing some outlandish shit as long as I can make it accessible to the audience by using acapella or scratching over it or whatever. See, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> See, before before I was like before when you were in in the bouncing and stuff like that, you'd always get like 
people like myself, uh, even even with like uh, your mate Woodsy and that, like went before he knew you. you he'd come over and see, sort of look over the the the, the decks and see what's going on, see how you're doing it, see and like the intrigue of a of a, of a normal person. See the, the young people who's out there now. When you're throwing a cappella in or you're scratching or like that, are you getting like because it's quite student based, isn't it, Liverpool? Like no, no, I mean the places I play are really scouts. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, really, like it's young scouts, lads and girls, um, especially in the after hours place to play order. Uh, yeah, you still do get people coming over, go kind of stand in the DJ box and watch it for a little bit and like. For cool, sometimes I left them, you know. Yeah, yeah. For not too mangled, not the cake. <laughs> yeah. No, but I just wondered if there was a. There's still that that. It's that not like it was. Person it's not, yeah, there. there's, there's still them type of people that want aspiring yeah. DJs, or just interested. It's yeah. not like it was. I mean, I I remember you DJing a Wigan Pier and places like that years ago, and you get like twenty people all just stood around the DJ box all watching See what the what fuck was going on. Yeah. Absolutely. And everyone else is in front of you dancing the tits off and then there's these ten people just going, oh, what's going on here? What's he doing? What's he playing? Yeah, how did he what's do that? Tune? How did he do this? Yeah, it makes it makes sense, but I just honestly, because I, I myself, I haven't been on stu- like on a on a city night out um, in in a few years. My missus finished uni about five years ago, so we used to go out in York, and that'd always be the one standing by the DJ box and look see who's on what's what's being played and. And how they're mixing and stuff like that, but becomes a bit of a curse when you're the DJ though, doesn't it? Going out, you go on a night out and you hear yeah. the DJ playing, and you go, oh, "That mix was shit." Oh, honestly, like <laughs> my, my, my wife's onto it now as well. She goes, "Oh, that was a bit of a fucking weird transition." <laughs> and so it, it, it's a case that they translate to your, uh, your your better half as well. It's uh, one of them things. It's like um, I've I've always found that, like, say we we went out for a for a drink and that, and we're all on a table, especially during. Um, the COVID times when you all have to sit down and the DJ would be on and you'd be drinking, like I'd be mid conversation with somebody and you you sort of drift, you, your ear sort of perks up whenever they're about to mix or whatever, and you just you sort of dis disconnected from the conversation well, to see, see what's going. I on, don't notice it? it when it's smooth. If it's someone's yeah. mixing well, don't notice it. It's when it goes bad. Yeah. Yep. You instantly hear a fucking terrible mix, don't you? <laughs> you don't never you never caught on to the good ones. You only ever hear the shit ones. Yeah. Uh, exactly that actually but um, since since you've left the bounce scene I, um, a lot of people will be wondering this because well I'm, I'm wondering to be honest do you miss it? yeah yeah uh, something that was I don't think you can ever switch off from something that you were completely passionate about for I mean I was in it for nearly 20 years um, and it was a massive part of my life it was you know it, it was it, it was a thing that um, funded my lifestyle it was like I had goals and dreams and stuff and it was all everything that we did all the holidays we went on was all funded by by the bounce scene so and I, I, I didn't get into it initially because I wanted to be rich and famous and stuff I just got into it because I loved the music so yeah. I still got a, a soft spot for it I just didn't like what it became it's like I don't mind saying this we talked off the pod and like I don't mind saying this on the pod as well I think that the the music sounds so recycled and it sounds there's no nothing new being brought to the yeah, table yeah well it was recy- already recycled when it started in the 90s it yeah. was when the club heads and all that started like pioneering the sound it was like you listen back to what they've they've made and half the stuff is all disco samples and it was recycled shit then uh, but it's like so people are just remaking stuff that was remade already and it's been remade 
dozen times, some of it. Uh, you know, how many times is there going to be a remix of fucking Show Me Love or yeah. uh, Candy Stanton? You know, it's, it's going to get keep getting done every year, and that's just how it is. But uh, it was always a, it was always a scene built on sampling. Um, so, but I, 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 for me, it just got a little bit tired, and I was like, the stuff I was really interested in was was like that deep Dutch pumping vibe, um, somewhere in between house and hard house really I'd say uh, and like with trancey elements and it just didn't really translate well for me to the uh, to, to the crowd so I was I was dead into it and I wanted to play a bit slower but the crowd just went into it and I was just like in the end I was just bored of trying to appease a load of people that I didn't really care about who didn't really care about me anymore I was just thought this is it I'm a fucking I'm off and that was it I was done did you find it um I know I've already sort of asked your pub, but this is just more for anyone listening. Did you find it hard to leave? Like, like, um, for instance, like, because you, you, it's a routine lifestyle. You've been turning up to see your, your Blackburn, Burnley, Wigan sort of area, even Liverpool when yeah. um, pleasure rooms were running. Did you find it hard to the lifestyle change of like you're not playing that high BPM anymore? Like, was no, it hard to step was, away from? No, because I mean, I was slowing down anyway. My I started. I about 2010 I started make, making a conscious effort to um, make tunes at 140 BPM so because that's the speed I wanted to play I wanted to play that and slower because I just I felt like everything got too fast and when stuff gets too fast it doesn't it doesn't have the opportunity to um, to, to spread commercially I thought if the music slows down a little bit with the right vocalists and the right artists behind us we could probably get a tune in the charts and which is going to prolong the, uh, the 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 lifespan of the scene, um, but no one was on board. So it was just I was like turning up to a gig and I'd go on after someone else, and they were playing 156 Teradon. Can I? <laughs> it was me wanting to play 143, you know, and, yeah. I, and I'd have to I'd be pitching all my tunes up trying to mix them in, and he just sounded just sounded shit. I was just like. I, I, I just for me that I, I think as long as it's the speed it is, it's got, it's it, it's got, always going to have waves where it goes from being popular to being terrible, um, and and the, the one one consistency in in commercial dance music has always been house music because it's always been around, it's always been the same speed, and it's always been credible in certain aspects. So I think that's what I wanted it to be and wanted it to go, but it just never went there. Um, I think if more people had got behind it, um, it probably could have probably could have happened, and I'd probably still be playing it. Yeah. I I found that the stuff you were doing, like I I really got on board with what you were doing when you done um, is it the Pang series? Yeah, the yeah. Pa uh, Pang. Yeah, oh, the, Pang was the label. Yeah. Um. I but you did like a pomp. one pop pop sorry yeah, yeah. Uh, pump and it was like a, a series of tunes and it was just yeah pop one to twenty two I think it was wasn't it and like I was really on board with that because like when I first heard it I think I heard like three or four first and I heard it and it was just like it was a a good pump and bass line there it was, was just, it was just a minimal bounce tune really that's all yeah. it was it was just I, I took all that all the elements out of them that made a bounce tune cheesy like that big happy riff. Mm. And I just stripped them right back and just left a little lead in them, and it was just a, it was just a killer bass line. Really, that's all it was about. A really interesting bass sound. I mean, listen back to some of them the other week, and I, th I thought, fucking that's shit. But there was there's there's a good handful of them that I really was really proud of. Uh, again, I did some as well under another alias called Sounds Like '98, 
and the premise was it needed to sound like it was made in 98. Yeah. I sang one of them tracks, didn't I, Bolivia? You did, I did yeah, a, you did, that's right, yeah, yeah. That, that's the sort of last time we sort of connected it, really, when yeah, was, yeah. Um, we did the Return to Amsterdam EP on the label and then the Bolivia tune or something. Yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right, And yeah. I, 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 I'm a big, big pusher of... of um, Sort of pumping house music. I like I like one three five to one four five music. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't translate well in the bounce scene, but it doesn't translate well anywhere else then as well because no. in the late nineties it was massive. But yeah. look, if you like now, um, if you turn to a house gig, even if you're on the last hour for like a power hour, you couldn't you couldn't come on and play that style of music. Um, the, the closest I could describe it to, which I found, I thought the direction you were heading in before you left, was. Um, Jumping over to sort of like the hard house scene because I found like Digital Mafia and like um, yeah, I mean uh, I was playing lots of Dave stuff. Yeah, um, I mean I was getting booked for the tidy weekenders and stuff, so it was like it was happening. Um, they were taking notice of what I was doing and what I was playing, so I was getting the gigs on the on the on the premise of that I was that's what I was doing. Um, but. It was just too little, too late, really, for me, yeah. I think. It's, it's not a massive scene, the hard house scene. It's, in comparison yeah, to what it was, fucked, it's, it's, it? it's on its own. Let's be honest, yeah. the hard house scene's fucked, the hardcore scene's fucked. The only scene that seems to be doing well is the bounce scene at the minute. Yeah. And I say doing well, there's one gig a weekend and it's busy. It's yeah. not like it used to be in 2006 where every nightclub in, in the UK was playing club land and bounce music. Yeah, absolutely. So it's still, it's still quite parochial, but I think it feels like it's the same core of a thousand people going to every event it, it it's always the same faces i don't think it's a grown scene i just think it's a large population for now and as i say i've been in its highs and its lows just like yourself and like it's one of them things that one minute you will be getting a thousand people in an event and next minute that same brand a couple of years down the line we'll only be getting 50 to 100 people yeah. in an event it's yeah. just it becomes popular then there's a new phase and then it's sing yeah I mean I, I, I noticed it at um, last time I played for BTRD and I think it was on the pier and um, I was walking through the crowd and thinking I recognise any of these people they'd sold three or four thousand tickets for it or whatever whatever they'd done it was chocker and there was a lot of young people there but they didn't know any of the tunes so it's obviously it is obviously reaching other people, um, I just they just don't seem to go any other events for our BTID, do they? Yeah, um, I think it's just because it's the commercial bounce thing, isn't it? Yeah, but like, um, going off what how can I put it going off what what the BTID lot are doing, um, in previous podcasts, we've touched on, um, there's a few people who've been around for a long time. Um, since the sort of early 90s and Dev came along and like yourself you came along sort of mid 90s didn't you well late 90s yeah, you could no, really I, was, I started DJing in 94 yeah 94 yeah. I was getting my first gig was 97 so yeah, so they were saying that like <coughs> for instance in it, they'd be playing in clubs and then now they're going out and the bounce scenes re only revived because the young 18, 19, 20 year olds that's on the dance floor uh the parents were there 20 years ago doing it and they've just grew up listening to that we notice every year at reminisce the crowd gets younger and younger and younger and like the older ones always like pull off by it like, like oh my god it's so young here now where these kids weren't even born when these tunes were out absolutely but the, their parents were playing them playing these tunes to them growing they, up they, yeah. know, they know brothers and sisters or Diana Dawson through his family because the parents were playing them, them CDs and tapes to them when they were kids does it make you feel old that 
like I think the 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 three is family and um, brothers and sisters. I think that was like six seven years ago where them them kids come through. The kids now, uh, pretty green eyes, um, shooting star, like all around the world type stuff. Yeah, that's, and yeah, so yeah, two forty two brothers and sisters was ninety one. Like yeah, thirty years. So them, them, kids, them people you, you're associating with—they're actually like thirty-year-old people now. The, the eighteen, nineteen-year-olds are essentially the the pretty green eyes of the world. Like, well, yeah, and even that's like proper old. Some of them, like some of the kids I DJ to at the weekend, they're only they're only nineteen, twenty, and uh, so they weren't even born when pretty green eyes came out. No, so it's just metal. It? it just does make me feel old. Like I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of music styles come and go over the years. How do you feel with um, the the how experimental you can be with with house music? In, so you were saying you, you you were trying to push one sound within um, within the bounce scene and it sort of wasn't picking up. Do you find you could be more experimental with house music? I think there's so much variation that you've got room to be experimental, haven't you? Uh, I always work on a, on a premise as well that I'll play two tunes they know and then I'll play one that they, they don't. Uh, I'm so sure you try and break new music like that, uh, be, be more experimental with it. Yeah, the, the, you can definitely be more exper experimental with house music because I think it's... Um, it's more acceptable, more acceptable and uh, accessible to uh, the clientele. It was bounce music was so parochial. Mm. Um, you've got a core amount of people into it, and, and like they, they don't want to move off there. What they their know, lane. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah out of the comfort zone. Yeah, if, I mean, I, I, I know for, without me disrespecting. Ben and Martin's event because obviously the best best events in bounce music. And I, yeah. I think you can know, you go to a BTID event, you know what you're going to hear, don't you? Yeah, oh, you could you could pick out um, I mean, hundred tunes and every that, every single one of them hundred tunes will be I played. Mean, like, won't let's be honest, you can you know what Andy Whitby's going to play every fucking every every set. It's the same same fifty tunes in different order. Yeah, <laughs> no, it? it is. It is. Uh, I, I mean, no disrespect to Andy, he's a great DJ and that, but uh, you just know what's going to happen. Uh, don't yeah, and I think when you go and see, especially house DJs and tech house DJs, there's that much new music every every week. I mean, I get sent three hundred promos a week nowadays. It's just Mental, insane. It? I feel like if if you're going to produce a tune as well, and you can be experimental with house music because it's that world widely known. You might play it in town, and it might not go off. But at the same time, you might have some kid in Malaysia who absolutely well, loves this is, it. This is it. I see. If I, I sometimes look at my views on my free downloads on um, SoundCloud and see where it's been downloaded most, and get more. You get more downloads in Russia and places like that than you do in, in the UK. It's mental. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So we, now you're releasing like house music. Um, I said now you've been doing it like six years, but um, how? Have you got goals of what you want to achieve? Because obviously you've reached the top of the, the bouncing. So like, I, 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 I see. I never wanted to. I, I, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to. I don't want a jet set. Uh, I obviously like more money because yeah. that'll help me have a better life with me, me, me wife and kids. Um, so that's the that's the goal. But I'm, I don't really have any aspirations to do anything or go anywhere. I don't want to play abroad. I don't want to go to Ibiza. I mean, if I get gigs, I'll do them. But. Um, we, we haven't really got any goals anymore. I just, I, I, the reason I stopped away from the bounce thing was because it ultimately it made me unhappy. Yeah. And now I'm happy doing what I'm doing. So that's, that's the, 
have achieved what I've, what I set out to do. So uh, you could say a goal is just to remain in the lane you're in and just to just yeah, we'll see what just see what happens. I'm not I'm not I'm not pushing to be a superstar or nothing like that. If it happens, it happens. Uh, but I, I would not be left. It's just one of the things where I'm just I'm quite happy just doing my thing and trying to stay relevant and uh, you know exploring new music and playing new tunes and just playing good tunes that I like and. Hopefully other people will like as well. That's all. That's all it's ever been a bit about for me. I feel like the the way it comes across is like because obviously I listen to your, a lot of your mixes and that as well. Um, you did you reposted one with the Studio Fifty Four one the other day. Fifty Four one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was listening to it and it's like because it, you don't know what tunes coming next. Because as you said, like in, within the bouncing, you've got a set amount of tunes to pick from and you know as soon as you hear that a certain kick or a bass line you think oh that's that tune sort of thing yeah. when you listen to house music now it's the excitement that that bounce had 20 years ago with the with regards to like oh this is a new tune that I'm, i might not have heard before i'll yeah. go to the dj or nowadays she's on like, like, it yeah, yeah yeah do you find do you find a lot of the younger ones like phones out Shazam and if you, you're playing a no tune one, or... no one wants to admit to Shazam and stuff so if they do it they do it on the slide yeah. I do it on the slide I would never <laughs> let anyone watch me Shazam or not yeah. uh, or, or just ask I just ask, ask you who know, I was playing what's this um, yeah no one no one, no one's get caught Shazam but um, I know that within within Liverpool the old school scene is really like had a because I, I know a lot of like um, you do vintage and uh, uh, them type yeah, of thing. Big love, yeah. reminisce. Yeah, there's a, it, there's a big resurgence yeah, of that. It's, it, it, the old school scene's been huge in Liverpool for years, years and years now. Uh, it's all down to Lee Butler, really. Yeah, yeah. And Lee, I mean, Lee does the most successful events, and he's the he's a household name now. Dear, yeah. he's just he's, he's like a, the flag bearer, isn't it? Really, yeah, for he's the, I mean, he's the uh, he's the ben he was always the benchmark anyway back when I was growing up. He was who you wanted to aspire to be. He played the best tunes. And he had played the best clubs, um, and uh, his popularity has basically spared on a whole a whole scene of uh, old school club, and it's just resurgence. All the people that went out to listen to Lee Butler in the nineties and early two thousand, the 051, all had kids, got married, and now the kids are older. They can go out and have a party once a month, yeah. and that's why the old school scene works in Liverpool. Um, I, I do think it's got a little bit overkill, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, the good events are just good anyway. So the big ones we do in the Shankly are always amazing. Um, we sell out like eighteen hundred tickets every time, and then we've the the, uh, the rem obviously Reminisce Festivals, fucking gigantic, isn't it? It's mental how much it's grown. You like when you see the first year in comparison yeah, was, to we. I, I was always running the the, the second arena. Um, the first year, I think we had. I think we had 3,000 people turn up in the first year, which was a massive success for them. Massive, it cost a lot of money to set that up as what well. What were they projecting? Like, I, I know I'm being sort that, of nosy in it, but... That was a sellout. That was sold out. Right, the sold first, out. We were expecting 3,000 people. Right. Um, uh, and the, the last one, I think, was just over 20. 22, maybe, 22,000 people, something like that. Um, yeah, it was fucking bedlam absolute bedlam and then obviously you've, you've probably read online all the fucking issues they had they had the, the, um, the uh, there was they were low on security because during lockdown all the security fellas all lost their badges they have to renew every every year because yeah. they couldn't get a medical done because they couldn't get to the doctors they couldn't renew the, the badges so they had they were low on security and then also the internet got went down on the morning so there was um, someone had cut through the um, the wi-fi cables 
um, because I think they'd been KB'd or something. Uh, and uh, so all the internet went down, so no one could, no one could get any internet on the phone um, to scan the tickets, and all the tills went yeah. down, so no one could pay on cards. It was an absolute fucking nightmare. Um, so well, unfortunately, Lee Butler and all that got it in the uh, got it in the neck, but it weren't their fault. Um, it was just a, 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 a people were desperate for a first big night out, and the fact that they couldn't pay on the bank card for the uh, for the rail or in its three hours to get him ruined the fucking day. Yeah. So they were obviously going to be dead vocal about it. It was dead unfair on Lee because he's because he's just, he's just a front man. There's a big team of people who work. On that event, like, and they obviously want it to go well. It's not as course, if they, yeah. want, they, they don't want you to turn. And he's sucking on the chin because he's the front man for it, he's the face of it, uh, which is dead unfair on Lee because he works bloody hard and he's a good lad. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what happened like, with that. Uh, but yeah, yeah the, the, anyway, back to the, the, the old school scene in Liverpool's. It, it's, I, I, I thought it was going to die off for a little bit, but it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And like, it doesn't matter how many times you pour fucking two funky two brothers and sisters live PA on. Yeah. People will still turn up to fucking see it. It's it's ridiculous because like obviously I'm I'm up from Cumbria and stuff and like we're we've got lads who are coming down to these events on the basis of like they won't just come to like um one event they're coming to every single one and like they're lucky if they're getting tickets as a lot of the time as well uh that is it the shankley yeah, um, that, that one um i'm that seems to be really popular with the lads from my end who are interested in like yeah, the because shankley's a, like a, de a de decent destination spot the actual venue itself is lovely yeah and you've got this outside terrace it's a bit cool isn't it like it's, yeah, yeah and it's in a hotel so you can stay in the building you're gonna party in <laughs> it's just a no-brainer if you're yeah. partying upstairs all day getting on the air Kind of the special sauce. You can just roll downstairs to your room afterwards, can't you? Not even trying to get a taxi. I know. Mental. Plus, plus the girls in Liverpool make a real big effort when they go out, so it's, that kind of brings lads in as well. Um, definitely. You were saying about the the, the old school scene um, and Lee Butler and what type of person he's and he's like he's like a local like celebrity. You would yes, say, yeah. wouldn't you? But. Um, <coughs> a little funny story to sort of go on a tangent he's um there was a spark who come to i was to do some maintenance on some security gates where i work and uh just got speaking into him and that and he's like uh oh i used to go to the quad and like obviously could talk about music and then he's going uh, uh i just said so what sort of deal is it lee butler love lee butler this guy this guy was what 55 60 year old well, that's and honestly he he, he was worshipping him like it's it's yeah yeah he's he's, he's locally he's like um it's a celebrity locally like he's like i mean we we because when i went mode training the teaching place where um we're a sponsor of in demand so lee comes in all the time to see us um he also runs his um his uh, drug counselling charity as well from the same building so he's in the building all the time and he comes in sometimes when we do our kids camps we've got the kids in over like half term and they love him is he, what, is love he him. big with the younger ones as well they love him oh, yeah. that, that, is a, that is a surprise they you know, love him honestly because well, he's, he's on the radio and he's in people's faces all the time he's big on social media hmm. um, he's, he's it, it, it's, 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 it's just mental because I mean if you go by, to buy your by, around by where you live and said, you know, Lee Butler is like 99 out of 100 people go, don't know where you're from. Yeah, yeah. Not a fucking clue. Anywhere else in the country, no one has a fucking clue who Lee Butler is. When you're in Liverpool, yeah, he's yeah. 
He's a household name. It's just, it's, it's, I love... I, this is sort of going off on something else again, but I, I, one thing I, I love about Liverpool is um, you're very, very proud of... Um, where you're from and what you do. Yeah, yeah. So what what I've noticed is, um, let's just uh, up my way. You put an event on. Yeah. You've got your your core residents. Nobody wants to come and see me and three other DJs. They always want to see oh, a Rob Kane or, or do you know someone come on like a I I don't know anything like or an MC or something like that. Or even with with the house music, you have to get a guest in for them to think. With Liverpool, like even back as far back as twenty years ago. They they would come out and they would support like your Lee Butlers and like, well, like you you look at them big love events right and you look at the lineup, bar from a, except for a PA every single DJ on that lineup is from Liverpool. Yeah, everyone there isn't a single DJ on any of them lineups that doesn't play in a club in town every week. I feel you can like... go and see them. You go and see them every single DJ on that lineup somewhere else, probably for free. Yeah, or, or for half the ticket price at least. Um, people just flock to it because it's that's just what it's like we are we are patriotic about our city we do support our own we go to our own events you know it it's we've we've always been like that as scousers that's just what we that's our mentality is to support yeah. our own and that's it goes back to that thing i mean i'm not into footy and that but scousers do live by the whole we're not english we're scouse mansa uh, yeah, I believe it. Like I strongly I believe it. If, I'll be honest. If, if we they could build a fucking wall around Liverpool, they they'd probably do it. I was I, I was reading a thing uh, on on the Echo site, and it was um, there was a vote of um, if if it came down to it for their independence, uh, what would the vote be? It was somewhat ridiculous. Like ninety five percent of the of, of Liverpool would be like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Else off, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, um, they they were talking about getting. Um, Getting made part of Scotland, weren't he, or something? <laughs> which is just insane. Yeah, yeah it is ridiculous. Um, I want to get back on to, to you and your story, sort of thing. Um, I've always wanted to know um, what was the origins of um, Total Control? Like, how did you get together with Chris? Like, was it a mutual of a music or? Um, so, what happened was I was working in the record shops in Liverpool, uh, which I did for years and years and years. I was a buyer. I used to buy in the Scouts House and the Funky House. Um, for, for various different stores and uh, Chris's brother Neil was like a, the mouthy one and he used to um, he used to come to the record shop and go oh my, my brother's making music my brother's making music and like yeah, he'd, he'd be like he does he yeah alright okay whatever uh, get him to bring some music in so next week Neil turns up again and he goes I want a CD here this is what our kids been making I was like oh I done bang, I banged it on and it was um, a Donk remix of New Power Generation Good Life like, quality tune by the way fucking hell so I like that I played that in the aquarium because we just got CDJs in the aquarium this must be 2003 uh, just got CDJ 1000s in the aquarium and I thought I'll fucking play that play that on the weekend so and it didn't even have an outro it was the first fucking two minutes it just kicks in and then I had to mix it out dead quick because there's no <laughs> outro on it yeah um, and uh, so I was like yeah let's fucking boss that and then so he, he started um, just bringing me music all the time and uh I was I was very conscious at the time that I needed to start making music and I was getting to I was about two thousand and six and I said to uh, I said to Chris I went yeah um, I said how do you feel about us getting in the studio and just doing stuff me you and Neil and um, Chris was like oh yeah definitely let's do it so we we uh, started making tunes and the idea was I would go in with I because I I could make 
music myself i would have um, an idea of what we want to do i'd turn up with the the plan let's do this something with this sample in it uh, and this breakdown and i want it to sound like that with that type of bass line and chris would go you know, like what like this and he'd show and i go yeah or i go no not that sound just try a different one we go through samples and all that and he just kind of put it all together so everything that was on the screen was what i was telling him to do yeah always like that and he just made it sound good um and then neil neil stopped joining in um i mean chris carried on for a while uh and then uh I mean, what year we stopped making stuff 2010 maybe at this point when you're doing it when you when you're first getting together with him is this the was this your first production you were involved in as such <sighs> yeah i think so yeah uh, I'd been in sessions before while people were making stuff, um, but I was never really interested. I was just there to say drugs and, and party. <laughs> uh, <coughs> but yeah, I'd seen people making music before. But yeah, that was the first time I'd, I I was ever involved in anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can you remember what the first tune was? Could be made. Yeah. First tune, like, well, fully enough, like right, there was a tune out called. It was called Donk Shake. You know, Donk Shake. It was like a milkshake remix with. Um, what was the riff? The riff was off an old Tim Woken tune. But what happened was, Chris, Chris and Neil had brought a CD in of this remix. Of, like, it was the first like, 30 seconds or 60 seconds of this tune. It was like Milkshake remix with Donk on it. I mean, that's boss, that He needs to finish it off. And he went, What's your, what's your time to do to it? I don't know, I'll call him tonight. Hmm. So I sat on the phone. Going to him, yo, right, put this riff in here, I'll send you this tune over now. Uh, take the riff out of that and put that in and do that and, and extend that out a little bit and blah blah. I was like, a phone call with him for two hours while he made this tune over the phone with me. So that was the first time I've ever done it. Um, that didn't come out as a sort of man. I think I was just come out as Dizzy DJs or Slip or someone. One of Chris's aliases. Yeah. And, the, uh, and then we did. I had a similar thing with Raining Again, I think. Yeah, we put, did a donk over Raining Again by Moby. Uh, and I, I think I did that over the phone with him as well. Did um, you have the, the Marvin Gaye cappella over it at that point? That, no, no, that was w much later. Much right. later. Um, uh, and then the first studio session I went in with Chris, we did... Uh, a remix of Hard Fi, Hard to Beat. Uh, these all came out on vinyl as well. So this, this is how long ago this is. Uh, yeah, we did that one. And then I think after that it was Static Bounce or something maybe. I can't remember. It's it's a, it's a blur that time. It was, we were making a lot of music in the end. So I don't really remember. But yeah, I think it was Hard Fi. It was the first studio session. I actually went in. And I was like, oh, this is fucking easy. <laughs> I wasn't doing nothing. So Just when you, telling them what to do. So when you're, you were in there, are you like, are you are you actively looking like, what's he doing there? What's he, how does he do this? Oh, yeah, I, was he do this? I was following what he was doing, yeah. It took me years to find, figure out what, how he was doing stuff. Um, for me, I'm a visual learner, so it makes it made sense for me looking at the project on the screen. Yeah. Um, I could, I, and I, because I'm a DJ, I'm just looking at it from a DJ's perspective. This is gonna be. This is how long your intro need for bass. Yeah. You need to have like a, you know, two phrases of baseline before the first break or whatever. Um, so I was, I, I came at it from a DJ's perspective, not a producer's perspective. We were making having to make making tunes that were mixable, you know. So, 
Yeah. So you you sort of done that. You had quite a lot of success with Total Control as well, didn't you? Yeah, so we did. Yeah, we we um, did have a couple of official remixes and yeah, the script, Christine Aguilera. Uh, I'll do my research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, there, there was a load, you know. There was loads, uh, and then we did we did loads of remixes for uh, Three Beats all around the world, uh, Ministry of Sounds, Nuclears. Uh, How did you get on that? Then was that sort of Static Bounce that sort of elevated you? Or yeah, well, Static Bounce got signed by all around the world. So we had to cover it. The vocal was resung, which was fucking horrible. Uh, actually, that was it was Wayne Hypersonic who did the vocal for got the vocal done for us. Uh, we had the vocal vocalist come in. We sat in the session while Wayne we recorded it. <coughs> um, and then yeah, that was so that was picked up by all around the world. They paid us a decent advance on it, which was the end of advances really yeah um he gave us a remix deal as well so we'd be remixing a couple of singles for them uh other singles uh, and that was on like uh two ultimate energy albums a clubland album uh it's done pretty well it's, Nick, yeah. a load of nick skits uh, skits mixes um uh it was on loads of tidy tracks albums uh nucleus compilations stuff in uh, loads in Spain, uh, Holland, Australia, Hong Kong. It thought it was mental, and like, I mean, to be fair, we I probably still owed a load of money off it. Yeah. Um, but he paid us quite a nice advance for it, so it was um, it was good. Yeah, and like we got loads of loads of stuff off the back of that. Every time people would call us, somebody ask, oh, "Can you do a remix for us?" And they'd be like, uh, be like "Okay, so what you want?" And they go, "Um." You want it to sound like Static Bounce? I was like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> I fucking hated it. I hated the tune. I, the first time I, I played it, I played it at uh, Wigan Pier, and I played it at the Pleasure Rooms the same night. Completely blew the roof off. Like, completely. First time I'd ever played it. Completely blew the roof off. Mikey B was behind me at Wigan Pier going, wow, what's that? I was like, that's one of ours. He went, oh, can we sign it? I was like, really? Of course you can. So they stayed, they signed it for all around the world, did. Um, and it sold thousands and thousands of copies on vinyl. It's just mental. I, I, I didn't play it again after that. Honestly. I played it once. Of, of all the tunes you've done, it's one. It's the only one I sort of like. I just, It's not that I don't like it. I, just, I hate it. It's fucking awful. I, I put out a post the other day saying, of all popular tunes there is in the world, like, in the world, what 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 tune that fills the dance floor that you don't like? And that didn't even spring into my head until then. It's because every time I've, I've walked into it, uh, a club it's uh, like there's always a, a selection of three or four tunes it's always gets played guaranteed Static Bounce uh, Paradise City of the Light um, oh god just, just this is the pro this, this, this was the problem I had with Wigan Pier in the end was it was just the same tunes on rotation all night and I know that they they, they want to appease their clientele and their, uh, but for me there was just no progression there um, and like the the reason uh, the reason that's done that tracked so at the um, the Jojo tribute this will twist your head thing we did obviously yeah. massive as well um, I played that a lot but that's just been overkill to fuck I, I even if I'm on a lineup nowadays on like a peer lineup I can guarantee I turn up with a DJ on before me he's playing, playing my it, yeah. fucking tune your signature your signature tune to them and it's just like yeah, exactly. yeah I'm like <sighs> yeah I just, I just had enough of them um, yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah, I, they 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 they've got a, 
for me, it just I just wasn't into that static bounce at all. It felt when it came, the actual process of making the tune was quite an interesting one because we came at it from three different angles. There's three there's three parts of that track which uh, uh, one part I designed, one part Neil Clark designed, and the other part Chris did. Chris was like, so, and then Chris just put them all together. Um, so it's like it was three of us who made worked on it. Uh, the process of making it was dead interesting watching Chris glue all, all these bits together. I think I, my idea was the triplet bit at the end. Uh, Neil was like, there's a, there's a riff on it. Yeah. Even though that was signed officially, that's actually a sample of another tune, which no one knows. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's never been pulled up then, you know. Well, I'm not, not going to say where it's, what the sample's from, but it is actually ripped off something. Right. Um, that was Neil's idea, I think. And uh, and then Chris wanted to use the the vocal, so uh, yeah, it was an amalgamation of our uh, all three of us that tune. Um, so yeah, the process was interesting in making it, but I, I was after I played it a couple of times, I was like everyone else. I, I always found that when everyone else went bananas or something, that put me off. Uh, I like to play stuff that people were like, yeah, this is good, but no one was, not everyone was going to batter. Because I wanted tunes to be. I've always found yeah, you like if 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 I'm being brutally honest, you've and, and you, you might even you might agree or you might not, but I don't know. Um, I, I've always found you. You're you're a DJ's DJ. Like like if you go in the bounce scene and ask somebody what like ask a DJ who your favorite DJ is, it's more than likely going to be you. Yeah, yeah. Just that's, because that's, a lot of people say that I'm, the, I'm your favorite DJ's favorite DJ. Yeah, that's what they say. it's exactly what it is because I've always found like. Um, you would always be a bit more edgy with what you'd done. Um, it, it's, I just wanted to be different because I come from a scene where it wasn't just um, just dunk all the time. Like the Scouse House thing in Liverpool was an amalgamation of, of different oh, styles. Yeah, 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 Hard House, Trance, uh, Funky House, um, Euro House, bouncy stuff, whatever. Uh, so we weren't just stuck to just playing one thing. Like... I, uh, like the Wigan Pierce sound was 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 cool and that, but it was the same thing all from start to finish. It weren't like that in the O five one. Yeah, it was very very different. You had different DJs playing different things. You'd have like Dave Bryan playing his funky stuff. Then Laird come on and play all the Dutch stuff and like trance and you know Scouse housey thing. And then Little Johnny playing a bit a little bit harder. Um, it was it was just interesting, and that's where that's why my style is the way it is of playing. I wouldn't just turn up and go, I've got fucking twenty brand new donk tunes. I'm going to smash them all out. It would be, well, I've got, I'm going to put this, going to, oh, I want to put like this hard trance tune in, or I want to play this hard style tune, yeah. or I've got, I've, I've been in my vaults and I've found this twenty year old like Dutch house throbber by fucking. See, that's I what know, I love. I love DJ Ants one or whatever, and I'd play that. Um, uh, and like it would be everything so I, I was listening to the old Bounce Ever mixes the other day and they're quite eclectic some of them I mean so a lot of them are just like it's, it's obviously very obviously total control tune based but um, there's some interesting selections on it that I think, I'm thinking fucking hell I would never have thought of, I would have played this this is interesting uh, and like even stuff like I used to get a house tune if I had an offbeat bass line just pitch it up to 140 I, I don't have a problem with that um, 
that's what I was saying to you before about the tech house stuff. It's getting faster and stuff like that. You, uh, I think you've touched on it on a previous podcast, but basically you were saying that when you did the the Senidos thing, yeah, um, that was sort of ahead of its time with with what yeah. it was. If you look at how the scene is now, you were doing that sort of ten years ago with with that that idea, or yeah. or a bit loosely based around that idea. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's that, that's what it was. The Senidos was there. Take all the things we like about bounce music um, and to slow them down and make it accessible to, to to all parties so if you like bounce you're probably going to like this because it's just bounce music but without the donk and slower yeah. and if you like house you're probably going to like this because it's just house music but faster um, but it just it just was wrong it was the wrong time I, unfortunately it was the wrong time for us to do any events at that point Um the bounce scene was on its arse, so we didn't really have any um, any room for traction. There was nowhere to promote it because people weren't going out. Uh, I uh, found it a brilliant alternative. Like like it it would all in my eyes it would have really worked if there was a, a, a big clientele for it um, in bounce. I thought it would have really worked well as a room too. That was to the concept. Event. That's what it was meant like, to intended yeah, to be. Yeah. It was meant intended to be the room too sound for something like btid yeah. that's what we wanted it to be like a wind down from the 150 bpm you come in and it's just a bit bit cooler and a bit edgy and as i say the people who you probably see in that room is the dj who's on in the main room and they've come to, to see their djs dj like yeah. I, um i feel like a lot of um a lot of the liverpool based sort of djs are very educated in, within within knowing the tunes and the music and uh, even with modern stuff as well you see a lot of the the djs now who are, who are playing house music and they've got a good grasp on what's a good tune like yeah there's some great selectors yeah um yeah I mean, we, we we were always like inspired by people like john cotton yeah because you know he was the he was the ultimate selector for me because he was physically going to amsterdam to buy his music tunes that he thought were great brilliant uh, brilliant like, bringing a fucking go with an empty flight case and bringing a full one back full of tunes and he had music that no one else did and like he had like because because he's obviously he'd been DJing since the 70s he had a, a, a great uh, knowledge of the dance floor and especially the dance floors that he was playing at so he was just like a perfect selector so we learned a lot from John being original but also having that finding that niche that tune that particular track you i know that this is going to work if i play this at this particular time at yeah. this particular place that dance floor is going to really react to it so it, it, i mean the most important part of djing has always been be able to read the crowd and play to a crowd um with I, for me i it was never about um playing to the crowds and keeping them happy it was always playing to the crowd and giving them something that they don't realize they want yeah I always found that really important. I don't want to play a load of, I don't want to fucking play a load of dead obvious tunes. I don't want to play Free From Desire and Show Me Love and Shit. I want to play, give them something they didn't know that they came to that club, to the club tonight to hear. It's a, it's, a be, it's a better buzz, isn't it? It's, a, it's the, 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 when you get that reaction, it's just as big as when you play one of the big tunes, but the feeling that like, of, of that risk paid off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a proper, it's a, it's it's a it's a high you chase, isn't it? Um, uh, I just want to touch on uh, John Cotton as well, um, just because this is from my point of view. I know you you love him for reasons and stuff. Um, I I always 
when I struggle for um, ideas when I'm producing she in the studio, I listen to your mixes, right? And then it wasn't until you put him on Make Some Noise, which I want, I want to touch on as well. Um, you put him on Make Some Noise and um, I started listening to his stuff and I was like, wait a minute, Rob's ripped that off there and I've ripped that off Rob. And it's like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, not not ripped off, but it's, you can tell it's heavily, heavily influenced. Um, like, there was one <coughs> tune, uh, do you know... Uh, Disco fans. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some disco fans in here yeah. tonight. Yeah, yeah, well, the Tate Devils thing. Well, you did a, you did a tune which I I sort of ripped it off, if I'm honest. I didn't rip off a riff or anything like that, but the, the sort of structure of it, do you know, the, um, the, the... So if you listen to the disco fans when it's... Um, the, so like it was just that that sort of build up and how it got progressively faster and 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 then I heard you do something similar before I'd heard that tune and then I sort of ripped that off and released it as 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 a sort of inspiration and then I heard John play for make some noise and I'm like oh that's where he's got that from do you know do you know what I mean like so what you was it that I did I can't remember it was was it not. Is it not be quiet? Maybe you, you basically you shoot the riff in for a little bit, and then you do a little percussion thing, and I'll, and then shoot the riff in a taste of the riff again. It's, it's essentially the same way that that builds up. Um, do you like that shh, be quiet one. Yeah, it's and you give like a little taster of the riff. Yeah, and then it built, and then you build it up and build it up, and then I was just, I was like, when I listen to that, you could there's definitely some sort of similarity of where I'm like. Right, okay. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, you might not have ripped it off directly, but <coughs> you can tell listening to his mixes where your inspiration's yeah, come yeah. from. Definitely, I was always dead inspired by John what he played. Uh, the, the fact that he couldn't get any of his fucking tunes <laughs> just made him even more um, inspiring, really. So he just like, it's. He just he'd put a sticker over the, the, the label and he'd just write fuck off on it. <laughs> She'd lean over the deck to see it was it just say fuck off on his yeah, tune. Just give you a look. <laughs> he go, what's yeah. that? And he go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I wanted to try and make some noise as well. Um, you had a you had a brilliant concept with that um, the first few events and and the lineups were really really diverse for for what bounce was at that time. Did yeah. you, you start in two thousand thirteen? If I put that correct. Oh no, God, it was. 2000 and yeah about 2013 I think you got the club heads on the first it's event it's 10 years ago you know that's mental isn't it it's, it's 10 years ago yeah so when I, when I when that first dropped I was like I didn't think I'd see that that compilation of that lineup anywhere well, you before think what we had on it we had club heads on it then we had Lee Butler me yeah. John Neal yeah. uh, Ian Redman it's and, ridiculous like and then like I mean even and lower down the lineup like it was like Nicky B and Alex R and people like that, you know. So it was really strong. I mean, we had Zay Rudy and Serrano on as well, I think. I always found, though, the way you presented it and the way, the, the, like, even now, you look at the flyer and it, it's cool as fuck. Like, it's cool. It's, it's, that's it what was, Bounce is missing. It's cool. It's, it's, it was aimed at Scouts, so that's why. Yeah. You can't do these bounce lineups. Like, I didn't want to. Because they just go, that looks shit. Yeah. And they'll tell you, that looks shit. We're not going to that. You've got to, yeah, we had to aim it as if it was uh, an 05 1 thing. Yeah. They always had a bit of flair and finesse. It, it, but it, it, it come across as elegant. Like, like, 
you know when you look at a flyer and you can John sort did, John did a great job on it, yeah. to be fair. Do you not think though, and I, I like and I know you can sort of back this up as well because you you've been on the lineups, but when 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 you when you line, when a flyer is released and you look at it and think Fucking! Hell, I'm not looking forward to that. Like, like just because, just based on the flyer, because yeah, it's just I hate, I, I'm, shit. I hate dunk flyers. I always yeah. have. And I, then you get... they, it would have made more. They always make more sense to me when it's just text. And like, I, there was a there was a fad about three years ago where everyone had a fucking logo. What do you oh. mean three years ago? It's now. <laughs> it's now. Yeah, it's still I now. Just, I see a, I see I see a flyer with a load of logos on it. I just don't even read who's on it. Just yeah. don't don't pay any attention to it. Tiesto stars and all that, you know. Yes, don't think that. Is he? Yeah, he insisted right. his logo was on the flight flyer for Beanfields. Yeah. It's good branding, but for the for the, oh, the thing, it's just but... annoying. It's just annoying. You see a million logos on it, rather it's just all uniform. It's easier to read. It's easier to digest. I always, do you know, what I thought was cool. Um, it was basic, but it wasn't advanced. Um, the pleasure rooms flyers. So like you'd have pleasure rooms one color, and yeah, then it'd be like Carl used to design them on his. It's like a Microsoft Paint thing, yeah, that's but exactly it's, what cool, it's cool as fuck, though. That's like. exactly what he did. He used to design all Microsoft Paint, yeah. Yeah, but um, that's what I was going to say. With the Make Some Noise concept, I, I always found that... I mean, I think you or John might have sent me the recordings from them, because uh, I think I was... I think I was... Maybe John, and I was just blagging his head for ages, like... I didn't get a CD pack first time around. Come on, send us all. He sent, he, sent, he sent over, to be fair, he sent recordings over. And I always found that, like... Not only was the flyer cool as fuck, like the tunes that were being played, there were the, yeah, there were classics and stuff like that. But it wasn't stuff that you were hearing uh, every classics night. Like, yeah. not for against not the the non classics, it it fills the dance floor. But I felt I, I even felt like the likes of say like Alex and Nikki, they they were on, and they weren't just anthem bashing. They were, they were do you know what I mean? You you playing um. For instance, fucking what's a Paul Simon tune that you you oh, play? Oh, the MDC. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. So like, when you when you pull that in, it's just like it, it's old, but it's refreshing. Like to to, to an average bounce because, listener. Yeah, because the average bounce listener only hears the same fucking reset yeah, 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 tunes yeah, yeah. all the time. That's what I'm saying about the scene being parochial. It yeah. weren't like that on Liverpool. Yeah. It, it's like you you know, as you know yourself, you go to a bounce night, a classics night, and you're gonna hear that KB Project remix of See the Light, aren't you? Probably yep. three times, and it's seven is fucking long. <laughs> so uh, it's just went like that in Liverpool. We we had a dead diverse sound. So when you when you do pull classic lights out, there's a whole multitude of tunes you can get away with. Whole multitude of stuff like uh, I, if it's something on tidy tracks to you know something on blue records or whatever. There's like there's loads of there's loads of great music from that era that just doesn't get the airtime it deserves. Absolutely. I can't, I can't agree more with you to be honest. Um I wanna move on to the next sort of thing of make some noise. What what sort of happened to it? I know We had um we had a great first event. We made a load of money. Uh we went that was fucking brilliant. Let's do another one. Um, or two ruined you didn't you I don't know yeah so so we did, the first one we did was in the 051 yeah the fact that it was in the 051 and the 051 had been shut was a big selling point yeah uh, it was it was a success the second one we thought well, what, what the concept was we were going to bring DJs to Liverpool who played Pump House and, and like them type bouncy sounds from all over the all over the world um, and, and we're going to do it in a different venue every time so the second venue, we thought, well, where can we go? That's about the same size as the 051. It's got a big stage. and It needs to be different as well. It can't just be a club yeah. that everyone's at where it doesn't feel yeah, special. Exactly. So we went to the O2. Uh, the higher fee for it was fucking insane, if I'm honest, even by today's standards. 
Um, and do you think they were having your pants down or were? They, or, well, let me tell you. Is it stand? Is that the standard price? It's they, just no, this, the standard price was bad, but then they had our Kickstarter at the end. Uh, well, unfortunately for us, it fell on the same night as the Groves Flotch fight. Mm. So, um, a lot of tickets. This, this we were doing Skittle at the time. This is the first time I really witnessed this as well. A lot of the Skittle ticket buyers didn't turn up because they were watching a match they were watching a fight and they were charlied up in the house with the mates yeah so they didn't, a lot of them didn't turn up we were like fucking hell we sold like 500 tickets here there's only 250 people in this fucking enormous club <laughs> um, so yeah it was um, because we didn't do the numbers that they expected us when we uh, went to cash up at the end of the night um, they'd say they were taking money on the door as well for us went to get our ticket money because we thought Fuck it, we've made about a thousand quid here, but that's not that's not that's not the end of the world, I suppose. Um, yeah. I think we paid three grand to hire the the building originally, or the, 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 maybe three four. It was expensive anyway by today's standards um, to hire the O2, and then at the end of the night we went to get our money that they took on the box office. And he went, uh, uh, yeah, you're you're also the two grand. <laughs> I was like, what for? He went, well, you did the money you paid us. Uh, there was VAT on top of that. You haven't paid the VAT. Uh, we had some paramedics, oh, uh, extra security. Uh, this that, and they just banged us on the two grand bill. I was like, what the fuck? He said, you can't just do that. And he went, well, we've got you your money for off the box office, so we can do what we want. Oh yeah, like, fuck you. Oh, I had to, still had to give him another grand down in my pocket. It crippled me. Uh, so I mean, overall, the night it, it looked, it went rammed, but it looked good. The yeah. dance from the videos we that we got of it made it look good. Uh, so we went just to disheartened by. We just said we will never do another, another event there. Fucking gang of cunts. Uh, so the next one we done uh, was in the sunrise, which is above the old above the old five one. Yeah, that was the uh, that was like an after, dead famous Liverpool after hours. Um, not realising that we fucking booked the event on the rematch of the Frotch versus fucking Grimm's fight. <laughs> Fuck's so we had the, we had the, exactly the same fucking problem, problem as we yeah. did the first the first, with the first fight. Uh, sold some tickets, load of people didn't turn up. It just looked shit. We broke even. Uh, but I just said, not doing any more of these, John. John was like, all right. Uh, someone offered to buy the brand off us a few years back as well. Went to give you ten grand for it, and I went fuck off. No, and in hindsight, I should have. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I know you, you, you hired. I don't know how hired, but like you, you, you were, you were sort of having your own rooms at certain events. So yeah, we had to make some noise. Event, um, ballers, room. you did. Uh, make some noise room at ballers. I'm sure. God, fucking hell, we probably did. Yeah, for about seven. Yeah, we did. We also had to make some noise. Uh, arena at Reminis. Reminis of first year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that one at Scream Fest, uh, mm. and then. Some other yeah. ones as well. I can't remember. We did. We did a few. See, I, I thought you were just sort of riding on idle there, thinking we'll, we'll sort of put the, the the logo on flyers and it'll sort of come back. But it, I think I think you were maybe a bit scarred after the after the the second uh, growth yeah, fight. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, yeah, I was just like I don't. I don't like losing money, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know we put a foot. You put ten grand into something. Or I mean, I'm not sure what events cost nowadays to put on because I haven't done one in years. But you put ten grand into something, you expect to see a fucking return for it. Yeah. Would like uh, I know this you can't confirm. I'm not. But would you bring Max and Nice back? We talked about it a couple of times. I mean, 
make some noise a Liverpool event like not not like a room somewhere else I mean put out a flyer that's like the first couple of events a lineup as um, as exciting as the first couple of events would you would you would would it work I just don't think it would work in Liverpool I don't think I think people have tried Scouse House events in Liverpool lots and lots of times the last one I did was for Lee and it was dead it was quiet um, I think if you you just home into that one particular vibe uh, you've got no chance the only people who do it well are pleasure rooms in Liverpool really and like I'm quite happy to just turn up and play if I'm honest yeah, without yeah. the stress oh, I can I'm too busy I'm too busy gigging every weekend so to warrant being able to you know stick, spend my whole night somewhere as well because I'd like to do that if I was going to run an event and want to be there all night I can't because I've got four gigs on a Saturday absolutely um, I want to move on to um what a lot of people have been talking about um, on the podcasts is uh, life on the road as a DJ. So you're travelling, you're, um, you've played abroad quite a lot, um, you're up and down, get, you, you don't drive yourself, do you? I don't know. So don't. You, you were always getting drove up and down all places of the country. Can you share with us any exciting, fun stories that you may have oh, occurred? I've, I've heard some of them before, so I know what... There's just loads, you know... Uh, I always find that you always get yourself into like like because anyone listening will know that um, there might be a couple who just listen to the podcast from my local area and not know who you are. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the bounce listeners who are listening will know that you're quite famous for a for a um, a Facebook status. A witty anecdote, uh, yeah. yeah. But but like you've always got a story to tell in regards to 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 being on the road. Uh, I fucking hated it, you know. Uh, I hated being on the roads. I'm so much happier not travelling anymore. Um, from here to from here to town, it's only about twenty minutes. So you could just you could just nip in like oh, well, I get the train to town, get the train into work, train station ten minutes walk. I'm happy. Yeah. I, get, I, I get I get the train home when I finish at six o'clock in the morning. Put me put me earphones in, listen to a podcast. Class. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, tra- tra- travelling stories. Oh, there's there's so many. Um, the time we got stuck in Barcelona. Me, John Neal. Uh, we were going to play. He's documented that as well, didn't he? He's on a video. Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube, yeah. yeah. Um, we went to, we were going to play the Bumpen Festival in Spain, in Bilbao. We were meant to play uh, Chitaro, uh, Scamner, on the Friday. Um, so we travelled, what we were doing was we were travelling from Liverpool to Barcelona, from Barcelona to Bilbao. Um, you obviously never booked them tickets, did you? They must have been no, them. They, they, this is the problem. It's backwards, isn't it? With, with promoters, they book through Skyscanner, so you get these stupid backwards flights. Um, I'll come to another one about that in a minute. Uh, so yeah, so we we landed in Barcelona. <coughs> As we got off the train, we're walking towards the the, the, the um, to get our um, other flight, and the uh, airport just shut. It was fucking bizarre the rollers just come down all the shops all the security what? guards just fucked off um, all the planes just all turned the lights off all the lights got turned off in the terminal it was just nuts they got into like this uh, like uh, air traffic controller got on strike fuck <laughs> what uh, time would be in an airport one so and we were in between gigs just, so we just stood there going what the fuck do we do how the fuck do we get on? This is this is pre sort of 
the boom of like social media, so you weren't exactly connected to everybody really. Because no. it was, it was, too, it was, it was. Late I didn't even have iPhone back then. Yeah, sort of. I mean, yeah, yeah. So um, there's no like. It was, it was just not nuts. So it was from the airports, and we call up uh, Javi Base. Um, don't know if you know. Have you ever met Javi? Yeah, yeah. Javi yeah. was the guy who booked us. Oh, Javi, and went to uh, stuck in Barcelona. And he was like, wait there, I'll call you back in a minute. By this point, John Neal had shit his pants. <laughs> yeah. He'd actually literally shit his pants. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Story. So he'd done a wet fart in the airport and crapped himself. <laughs> he said he had, to, he had to go to the toilet and fucking throw his bills in the, in the bog. Um, so we just sat there going. And he's, he's flapping because he's going to he's going to New York with his beard. Uh, in two days' time, he think, he's thinking we're stuck in fucking Spain. Yeah. He maybe doesn't even want the gig anymore. Maybe we just wants to get back to make sure well, he gets... Yeah, we, what we were looking forward to playing the gig, it's a yeah. big deal playing that, 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 that event. Um, so we uh, wait around for a little bit and then Javi calls us back home and goes, yeah, um, we're going to send someone to come pick you up in a car. So someone drove six hours from Barcelona, from, from Bilbao. Six hours from Bilbao to Barcelona. Um, to Barcelona to pick us up and then drove six hours back straight away uh, it was the fucking most mental car journey ever because driving through Spain is basically like driving through the Nevada desert it's <laughs> mental there's yeah. nothing there there's don't even there's no wildlife it's just sand it's just bananas um, so yeah they drove us there obviously we didn't make the gig because uh, we were on for two days we just played the next night in uh, Decibelia which is good. Um, but at this point, we were all just fucked. Completely fucked. Drained. Not dehydrated. Fucking first bevy went down far too easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we had that there. We were there. And then, um, because the air traffic control was still down, the next day we had to drive across the border uh, to Bordeaux. Yeah. Get a flight from Bordeaux in France. And let me tell you, that is the shittest airport I've ever been in my life, Bordeaux. Um, so, yeah, we, we flew from Bordeaux to Heathrow. We got to Heathrow. There was a fucking... There was a, we, got, we, got, we had to get to Euston Station. There was, there was a strike at Euston Station as well. Fuck. So by this point, John Neal is freaking out because he's like literally flying in, in five hours or something to New York with his birds, birds on a blower to him, kicking off. He just jumped on the first train that called him. <laughs> he jumped on, he ended up getting off at Leeds. His bird come picked him off from Leeds. Uh, me and his, me and his mate, uh, Liam, just like, oh, fuck this. We're just going to wait. We're just waiting around, yeah. And so, so, so like, a, 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 a gig that should have been, like, Amazing over, and, you, uh, over yeah. and done with in a, in a day, in and out. Could have probably done it in 12 hours or something, including the travel time. Ended up being three-day. Uh, all my gigs were cancelled on a Saturday as well shit but yeah um, talking about like uh, promoters booking through Skyscanner this, this, the store that broke the camel's back for me really this I was booked for um, Pumpin' Land in festival I think it was a festival booked for a decent Pumpin' Land gig anyway in um, Poland and uh, the lads uh, the club base lads the flight to Skyscanner so I had to connect on flight on my way home um, I think it was Switzerland or somewhere like that so I, I, I flew from Rocklaw to Switzerland and they had a nine hour connect on flight wait nine hour wait before we flight to Liverpool uh, I always find that um, a lot of the, the, the promoters and that like once they're done with you you're just like oh, like anywhere to get you home they don't, they don't care about like 
how long you've got to wait in an airport they're done with you now like you just well, fuck off home I didn't have the right currency in my pocket because I couldn't use the vending machines I didn't have a charger yeah Um. my phone was fucked I was sat there for nine hours and I just thought to myself I'm not doing this no more this ain't happening ever again I'm never ever doing a gig ever again like this uh, well under these circumstances the gig was amazing the gig was yeah. amazing I don't take anything away from us it was a boss gig uh, but uh, I just thought I'm not I'm not getting on a plane to do a gig like this again under these circumstances either flying from Liverpool or I'm not going I, I found this right with um, I think I maybe had too much too early so like when I I think what it, what it, the, the original thing of what had happened was um, I booked this French DJ to come over um, when the sort of bumping thing was big was that Farad? Um, no it was DJ Taz it was it was uh, Taz, yeah, it was off. signed to Omod Records um, no, Gary Select was producing his stuff but like he, he was quite marketable I, I thought at the time and he came over and that and he sort of returned the booking for me and he was like you go and play there probably the, the, the I've told the story in another podcast but I've never been treated so good by the French. The French, honestly, we got put up in a villa. I got put up in a villa with um, Dirtex. He's a fucking ca crazy character, then. Was he eating loads and loads and loads of MDMA? Uh, I'll send you the story of what I told, and I've actually just said his name. But by accident, I, I just I, I did it unnamed. But yeah, it was Dirtex. No, mate, there's no there's no there's no secrets that he takes drugs in. <laughs> yeah, like a fucking big Russian tank, isn't he? I was saying we went to, to um, uh, Michelin star restaurant that took us out for like food. Honestly, getting his face off. No, well, he, he he refused to go to the club. We were sitting in in this fucking in this restaurant, and he's like, "I'm I'm not I, like the Russian accent, but the American twang. I'm not moving. Um, get me my drugs." And he's and he fucking slammed his hands on. He's like quite a well-made lad as well. As well, he slammed his hands on the table, and they got they got this fucking French. Uh, Glass collector to come up on a moped and drop his drugs off. He went into the toilet in this fucking Michelin star restaurant, took all his drugs, and then came back out and he was absolutely fucked. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a fucking big Russian terminator. Cool. Him, uh, yeah, I've seen him put away some fucking drugs. Yeah. Him, like I know. He was, I... he was at we were at pump pump fest pump fest with him for two days, and he was hoofing it. Yeah, and like over in over in Poland, the like. There's no Charlie. There's no lemon. There's no lemo there. Tall speed, it's, isn't it? Speed, yeah, mm. but like industrial strength speed. So like we they pulled up in this um, pulled up in this white camper van to pick us up from the airport. Me, Kenty, and Cheese, and all them, and uh, pulled up this white camper van. <laughs> We're all like, well, you know, okay, boys, get in the back. So he jumped in the back, and he goes, "What?" The lad in the front, he goes, uh, "You want some drugs?" And we were like, "I was like, go ahead. What is it?" <laughs> and he went. He pulled. He opened up this like this reel of CDs, and in this reel of CDs was a fucking huge tube of white powder. And I went, "It's right to a fucking party in here." <laughs> I went, "What is it?" He went, "Speed." I went, "Oh fuck that! I don't want that." Oh. And like you should, he was up for three days. This kid, after that, like just hoofing the speed. I was thinking, I'm fucking made up. I never had any of that. I would have. Yeah, it's like industrial. Everyone was everyone was just whacking speed on fets and that. I was just like, wow, what's I, this? I found that with um, with Spain, like I was saying that uh, that I'd done too much too early. That I was, I went over there and um, that I did. You ever play the Venezia Club, um, the one in the mountains? So you like drive up in the mountains. It's all like they, graffiti. They all in the mountains. Oh well, that's what I don't know. That, yeah, I suppose. But anyways, um, I went there and like they party harder than anyone I know like 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 we got there at the beginning of the night and they were all on the dance floor giving it them big kicks the stupid fucking dancing they do and whatnot and I, uh, as I say I went into the fucking their like 
green room sort of say and there was just a fucking big pile of speed on the thing and they were like like I say like I, I went I, I, after I left they took me back after the gig they drove me to the airport I was in the airport and like I was getting a couple of follows like because I was marketing myself like quite a lot I was just trying to get a good name for myself build up giving out free CDs blah 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 and then I flew back to Edinburgh and, I, and when I was in Edinburgh uh, this was like five o'clock the following night. There were still people in that uh, on the car park with the tunes turned right up in the cars, still yeah, fucking going like I, twenty I, more I than twenty four hours. I did a club, club up in the hills. They had this big massive two thousand man car park outside, and uh, they were all just hoofing um, glue. <laughs> <laughs> aeros- air, they were doing aerosols and glue in the cars. Fucking it's hell, mental. It is. It's uh, it is mental. Um, we've been going. And now we're in 15 at the minute, so what I, what I usually do is at this end of the, the, the podcast, uh, get a bit formal with some questions, so oh. just to just to wrap it up. Um, okay. So I usually ask people what's um, three meaningful tunes throughout the, the career. Um, we do, I want to do, I think I think you're going to say Invisible Man, aren't you? Like, that's, it's got to yeah, be, yeah, gotta yeah. be it's it's like, that's your tune, tune isn't it? It's the like, best tune ever, yeah. But um, I want to ask you, what what's your favourite production within bounce that you've done that I've done personally me personally or um, as a collective not, any, any, anything you could, you, you've been associated with so it could be Total Control it could be Rob Kane it could be a collaboration you've done with somebody else I don't know I have no idea is there not one that you you feel a bit proud of of um, the way you've um, produced it yeah or? there was a remix we did for Greeny uh, and Wiggy of uh, it was a cover of Chris Isaacs called Wicked Game uh, we did Tune. a Total Control remix of that. I think with the alias they went, it was AMPM. Yeah. Uh, that was the one that I, list, I, I, I still listen to and go, yeah, that's fucking great, that. It's a great remix. There you go. Um, uh, other than that, any others? I can't think of Right, really. so you've got, your, you've got Invisible Man, you've got For a Bounce Tune. I want to ask you for your favourite house tune that you've done. That I've done? Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. I've always been under the impression that you... Because you've got the DJ mentality behind you, as not as a producer, as more as a DJ. I feel like you, when you produce a track, you just you, you throw it together to just to go and play in the club and test it out, and then like that. Once you're done with it, that's it. That's exactly the way I do it. Yeah, I'll make I'll make a tune every week. Every yeah. week I make a new new tune, and I'll probably play it twice unless it's got real legs. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I've just straight enough. I've just done a, um, a remix of. Uh, <sighs> example change the way you kiss me like a tech house type thing yeah um, more probably more minimal tech really um, and I've tested it out all weekend and been bringing it back home re-tweaking the master and then I played it again on Sunday after I mastered it f- the, for the fifth master <laughs> and it sounded great so that, that's usually my process I'll take it test it out see mm-hmm. if it works if it does work I go right I need to fix that I need to fix the master on it or uh, take that bit out or make the vocal higher or whatever If it's uh, otherwise I'll play it and I'll go yeah I don't like that I just never, never play it a, again I think that's a great thing as a, as a sort of um, as, a, as a circuit DJ as yourself like you're out there every weekend you can just you could throw it in and see if it works and see, see what the crowd reaction's like so we do remixes what I'll usually do is I'll play the original over the course of some weekend and I'll go right this still works but it's not very current doesn't sound quite I'm taking in the studio and just do something with it like yeah. make, it, make it sound like it f- could fit in that's why I've done that I played the, played the original example tune about four weeks ago and I was like it's still oh, been that, a reaction that's, that's fucking gone off that 
played at the end of the night it's gone off I'll do something with that and I just made something a bit more middle of the night yeah yeah uh, as regards to your question best house tune I've done uh, one that's got the most traction is I did a remix of Sosa Dirty Cohort um, I said plays like by Felix Leiter and people like that at festivals and stuff sent it yeah. to Patrick Top and sent it to a few people sent some big plays um, got not got rejected by the label like for, as, a, as an official remix the label didn't like it but yeah that's me that's been me my favourite I think right I'm, I'm, I'm happy with them answers to be honest with you um, what I was going to say uh, oh yeah one of the last things we do is um, if you go out for a Chinese meal for one yeah. into a takeaway yeah what are you getting uh, noodles some kind of noodles and, and you know what I, not, I normally do I, every Saturday in between gigs so when I finish I finish 54 because I do the warm up in 54 and then I, uh, I don't start an order until 12 so I've got, usually got two hours to kill I always go to Wagamama's and get noodles nice. always and I use the chopsticks <laughs> I taught myself how to use chopsticks specifically so I don't look like a cunt when I go to a Chinese restaurant uh, I'll be honest with you mate I this is this is another thing as like I didn't realise, like, I've, I've been with my missus now, uh, what, 11 years, and I've sort of been brought up within their household of, like, you use chopsticks and stuff. So when we've, where, we're, where did they originate from? You, you? Uh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong. So, like, um, so where, like, if we go out and eat food, I've went out with my mates before, and I'm just firing away. And I don't, I, it, does, it doesn't process in my head, or it didn't process in my head, that, um, nobody else knew how to use chopsticks, and, like, people, I was eating, and I'm thinking, what the fuck are looking at me for, like, my mates and that. And it's like, how do you know? And it just—it's like a second nature. You just don't re like realize yeah. it. Like, so like yeah, a, I, I, when I moved in with my wife, when me and Danielle first got together, we moved in together. I used to uh, practice using chopsticks, eating pot noodles. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go for a, a rest. To go for a meal with her and look a knobhead, not be able to use chopsticks. She can't use them. Either. <laughs> yeah. I know, so, but it's that part you've been able to do that. Yeah, no, I, I always get noodles. I mean, either that or I'll... Beef, black bean, fried rice, maybe. Nice. What would you go for for a start? Like a start? Starter. Shumais. Hot sour soup prawn crackers. Do you know something, right? This is this is totally mad. Like, I know what a shumai is not through eating... Chinese food. Do you know outside Liverpool, ask the average person what a sumai is. They don't some, have a fucking clue. I saw. You know, I saw this. There was a. Um, I think there was a Vice documentary on it, wasn't there? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was a there was a, doc a documentary on why does no one else apart from Scousers know what shumai is? <laughs> well, we, uh, we we we've got like in, um, at the Christmas markets. We've got a shumai stall. Yeah. <laughs> at the Crimble markets and the girl does salt pepper shumai. Sick. Mental. Like, yeah. it, it is, it's it's just backwards. Like. I, every I've, I've got a few scouts mates and that and like they're like boss them two eyes and I'm just like I'm glad I'm, I'm happy you know what it is <laughs> anyways um, we're going to uh, tie this up now um, is there anything you want to plug uh, any big gigs that you've got coming along that you would want to uh, talk about or um, you want to plug your social medias or uh, plug any tunes you've got coming out or anything like that yeah you know what I don't want to plug anything <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I, you just find me on Instagram uh, and Facebook at Rob Kane I think it is Rob underscore Kane maybe yeah. I can't even remember what my handles are um, that's how 
how arsed I am about social media nowadays. It, I've no, I've, I have noticed you, you sort of quieting down a bit now. Uh, I just, I just had enough. I, I felt like it became something where I just log on. I, I'm, I'm still a bugger for it. I me, have you ever looked at your phone counts? How many times you picked your phone up? Yeah, on, on it's iPhone, ridiculous. On iPhone, isn't it? yeah. I, I looked, I picked my phone up. Like over the course of me being at work for six hours, I picked it up 105 times. It's ridiculous. I just yeah. opened it and not done anything. Just look, opened it, looked at it, and gone, put it down. Didn't even check my notifications. It's ridiculous. Stupid. So yeah, um, my social media is a bit uh, lackadaisical at the minute. So um, get me on Insta or Facebook if you want to. If you can be asked. Uh, music to promote. Uh, I don't think I've got any scheduled releases at the minute. I need to send some demos out. I can see you've got a, a remix up there coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, Blade uh, for Piano Man. Yeah, it's coming out on a vinyl, that as well. I think. Is he getting a digital release as well, is it? Oh. Yeah, digital releases as well, is it? Uh, I'd assume so, yeah. yeah. I'd assume so. What style have you done that in? It's like bouncy, techy type thing. It's like right. offbeat bass line, put up 130 BPM. That's nice, that. That's uh, nice. Yeah, I, that's what I've got. I don't want to don't want to say it, but put donk stuff out by half. <laughs> have I, you? Yeah, I've put I've got three tunes on acceleration at the minute. Um, it's I've kind of kind of kind of blagged it a little bit really. All I've done is I've been making house tunes and then I've just spent, spent the them up to yeah, 145 yeah, yeah. BPM and put a kick and a donk on it. Class. And then just released it and I've done it. I've got about twenty ready to go. I just keep drip feeding them to Kenzie. So you can put them out. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, <coughs> not got my name on them though, so you'll have to hunt for them. I'll be, I'll be looking. I <laughs> uh, just want to say that, uh, thank you for everyone uh, for watching. Um, been a brilliant episode. Absolutely loved it. Uh, and I'll see you later. Ciao. Nice one.